You might be wondering, why all this emphasis on things such as growth groups? Why all this emphasis on getting involved? Well, today, we're not going to have a full 40-minute sermon. We're going to have a 10, 15-minute sermon. Um, But what I want to do is sort of unpack to you a little bit of the DNA of the early apostolic church, the church in Acts. And we're going to see, we're going to, the, the aim is to find out how did this whole thing that we call growth groups or small groups or these little groups of people meeting together and doing all sorts of things, how does that fit into the, the DNA of the early apostolic church and even the church to which Christ began? So that's our goal to start off with. So we're looking at growth groups in Acts chapter 2 verse 42 to 47. Now have you seen this passage before? Whereabouts? Up on our banner up the front here. Okay, so Acts chapter 2, 42 and 47. But today we're just going to go through five verses from 42 down to 47. Now to review the, the, the background of this passage, we see Jesus has risen from the dead and he's told his apostles to, to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he comes with this, this incredible, um, this violent wind like a tornado rushes through the building. Tongues of fire come down upon the, the, he- the, the heads and they stand up filled with the Holy Spirit being given this supernatural gift and they speak out and there's people from all sorts of different nations before them and every one of them hears them speaking in their very own language. Now at the very end of that, that big sermon by Peter, it says that 3,000 people were added to their church, to the church that day. Now, just imagine, you've got a church, I don't know how many people there were, but there certainly wasn't 3,000. Okay, so suddenly this church has been from a small gathering of people to this gigantic um, gathering of 3,000 people. Now, what sort of challenges may they have faced when they had such a sudden increase of numbers? And a lot of churches face these same sort of things. And, for example, we have a large church here as well. But what we see is that, what we're going to find out is, we're going to try and find out what were the things that allowed this large gathering to have the same sort of authentic, genuine community in it that, that made for the church grow and made such amazing things happen. So open up your Bibles with me, and we're going to go to Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. So remember, 3,000 people have just been added to the church, and this is the description of what that church looked like. First, verse 42 says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. There we see the three key ingredients of the early church. I'm going to put them up on the screen there. Apostles' teaching, fellowship, and that talks about food as well, which would have included the communion and just having a meal together. So the apostles' teaching, the word of God, um, community, fellowship, and prayer. Those three things were the three key ingredients that made the early church um, become what was so made it so it was made it so effective. The early church. Now, the first one of those, the apostles' teachings, it's very interesting the way that it has written it there. The apostles' teachings. It doesn't just say the word of God, fellowship, and prayer, but it says the apostles' teachings. Now, when I read that, it takes me back to a passage, something that Jesus spoke to his apostles only a couple of months before. Can anyone think of what that might be? The Apostles' Teachings. Up here we have Matthew chapter 28, and this is what we often call the Great Commission. This is when Jesus met with his, his disciples, and he said, this is the mission that I have prepared you for, and then I'm going to send you out to do this 
task. And let's read it. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now there's two aspects of this that I want you to really sort of focus on. And I've made them sort of stand out there. Firstly, Jesus is talking to the apostles, okay? These 12 disciples, plus there might have been others there as well. Um, And he's given them their mission. And it says that part of what they are to do is to teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. What were the things that the apostles were to teach the world? The very things that Jesus had taught them. And this means that the message of the apostles, the apostolic church, was the same, the content was the same content that what Jesus was was sharing with them. Now, the other thing that really stands out to me here is make disciples. How would these people have known how to make disciples? What do you think? Were they disciples? What had they been doing for the last three and a half years? Jesus gathered around himself these these um, 12 people. Sure, he, he, he spoke to the crowds. There was his public ministry as well. But a very central part of Jesus' ministry was he created this small group around him. You might call it a growth group of these 12 disciples. And he trained them for three and a half years. And it was from within this small group that he grew these, these men and he equipped them to take on the greatest mission that the world has ever received. So what we see from the Great Commission is that the, the message of the church, of the, of the, the apostolic church, the, the disciples' church, was the same message that Jesus had, but also the, the model of church, the way of doing church, was going to look, and God, Jesus was, was instructing them to make their, their way of doing church look very similar to the way that he'd been doing church with them for the last three and a half years. So our first point from Acts chapter 2 is that Christ's model is a growth group model, which means that the early church model was a growth group model, and by God's grace, our church here is going to be a growth group model as well. Let's go to our next verse. As a result of this, it says, this is verse 43, Acts 2 verse 43, it says, And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. What makes you think when you hear, and awe came upon the disciples? What does it mean to be awestruck by something? All of one accord. Yep, we're going to get to that. Yep, yep, awesome. Yep, that's a very good point. Okay, so when you see something like this, what kind of feeling comes over you? (laughs) Okay, you might, if you can see there, there is a surfer there. The wave is pretty gigantic. I don't know if it's going to take over this helicopter as well. But when I see this picture, I am filled with awe. A number of things. I'm, I'm filled with awe because of the size of the wave. But it makes me think, man, how has anyone managed to get themselves in that position? And how are they going to survive this wave? And so when I see this, I'm just filled with awe because... I look at that and I think, how can that possibly happen? Okay? 
Now, some of your verse, versions might say they were filled with fear or awe. It's the same, it's the same thing that it's describing there. So this is what, how I would describe being awestruck. And here we see that the early apostles, when they had dedicated themselves to Christ's method, it says they were, fi- and it says, and awe came upon every soul. And when I read that, it makes me think that these people were there and they looked at what was happening in the church. They looked at the miracles that were taking place. And they were thinking, how has this taken place? How have we got in this situation? Where did these 3,000 people come from? God is doing an incredible thing here. And the only response that they had from that was awe. So Christ's model, which as we saw in the first thing, which includes, is a growth group model, results in awestruck believers. Do you want to be an awestruck believer? I want to be an awestruck believer. I want to come to church and, and, and be involved in a church where every day I'm just amazed at what God is doing and I'm filled with awe. Point number three. Let's go to verse 44. It says, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. That's what you're referring to down, down the front there. The early church was not like a... Let me describe how the early church was not. It was not a bunch of individuals in their own individual lives who would come together once a week, do church, and then go back in their own individual lives. That's not what it's saying here. It says, And all who believed were together, note that word together, and had all things in common. Christ's model involves doing life together. And you might be wondering with these growth groups that we've been talking about, why are people doing fitness together? Why are people doing, having a mum's group and spending time together like that? Why are they head, hanging out in a shed and just, and just doing seeming just everyday things together? What, where's the importance in that? And let me tell you, this is where it is. In the early church, the church was not a group of individuals, but the early church, which was based upon Christ's model of church, was a picture of a community that was doing life together. Okay? Next verse. Verse 45, it says, And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as many as had need. Now just think. Imagine you're one of the 12 apostles and you're there and suddenly you have 3,000 new members in your church. And all of these people come with their whole range of needs, all their struggles, their financial hardships. And every single one of us has needs of some sort. And if you multiply that by 3,000, you can imagine that the apostles would have suddenly been pretty daunted by the, the task that Jesus had given them to, to love these people and to meet their needs. But what we see here is not just the apostles doing this job of meeting needs, but it says, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all. This is not just referring to the apostles, but this is referring to the whole church. So Christ's model needs all to meet the needs of all. And this is where growth groups really are important as well, because within a growth group, you're rubbing up shoulders next to people. You're hearing their stories. You're building genuine relationships with people. And as a result, you're getting to know their needs. And then from within the growth group, these people who are, who are um, aiming to experience this genuine church community that we see in the book of Acts, um, you're able to meet the needs from within the group and in any other ways. But what we see here is that Christ's model needs all 
each and every single one of you to meet the needs of all. Next verse. It says, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Are these one day a week Christians? What does it say? Are they, are they week by week Christians? Are they people who, like we call ourselves, um, for those who are, who are in, in this church here, Seventh Day Adventists, that's not work, um, only being an, an Adventist or a Christian one day a week, but sometimes people's experiences is almost like that way. You come to church on Sabbath and, and that's your church experience for the week and then you go back and then you live your life separate to your church community. But what we see here is that Christ's model is a day-by-day model. It's spilled out over from the, from the time they met together as a big group into their daily lives. And, and, and it, was, it, was, it, it was everything they did was somehow connected with, with this mission and this church community that God had given them. Now there's another point in here that I really want to bring out as well. It says, there was two places they were meeting. Did you pick them up when you read through that verse? So verse... 46. What were the two places where they were meeting? Day by day, attending the temple and breaking bread in their homes. Now, the temple had some pretty big areas in it, and they would have been able to get large, very large groups there at the, at the temple. And that was really important for them to all to come together and to um, worship God together and to, to hear the, the apostles teaching to a large crowd. But how many people can you fit in a home? Not 3,000 of them, unless they're sort of stacked on top of each other and right up to the ceiling. And so what we see is that Christ's model, which was also the early church model, requires the large group and the small group. And I want to suggest that if either one of these is missing in our church church experience, then we are really missing out on what God is wanting to do in our lives. Final point. Verse 47, it says, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now when you read that verse, do you get a picture of the disciples saying, we need to find someone to come and join our group. And they're racing from house to house and from, from town to town saying, where is someone that we can find who can join our church community? Is that what's happening there? Who's doing the adding in that verse? The Lord added to their number daily the people who are, being, who are being saved. And what we see here, we see a picture of a church that is a genuine church community where people are meeting each other's needs, where people are involved in people's, each other's lives, where people are devoting themselves to the apostles' teachings, to prayer and to fellowship. And the result is that the community is such that God just starts bringing people along. And the people there are just awestruck. They're filled with awe at the incredible things that God is doing, and they're just standing back and saying, wow, how did all of this take place? Now, when I was putting this little short sermon out together, this mini message, I was talking to um, Ashley Smith, who's one of my housemates. He works down at Moolumba, and I was sure to take him through my, my main points. And at the end of it, he said, sounds like you have a bit of an agenda there, Jared. And I was thinking, yeah, well, I kind of do. A title, Growth Groups, Acts 2, um, 42 to 47. But our agenda here at the church, and maybe a better word is our vision here at the church, is not to just have regular 
church, but we want authentic church that recaptures Christ's method, model of church. We want a church community that recaptures the apostles' um, model of church. And we want to be people who, when we really engage in church the way that um, God has outlined for us in Scripture, where we can stand back and be awestruck by the incredible things that God is doing. Now, before I invite the musicians up for our final song, I just want to let you know what's going to happen straight after the service. With our growth group um, catalogue, we're going to have all of our growth group leaders out on tables out the front. So if you're one of the growth group leaders, just a quick reminder, get there after the the final prayer. And this is for you. If you're thinking, oh, I want to join the self-defense club group, but I'm not really sure what it involves, you can go there and talk to them. But what I really, really want to encourage every one of you to do is to not leave this building. Obviously, if you live somewhere else, that might be, you might not be signing up from these groups. But for those who are the regular people of our church or wanting to be, I really encourage every one of you to look at the groups, join a group, and understand that this is something that, that we believe as a pastoral team is hopefully, that, that by God's grace, is going to transform our church.